We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's my let's move on to the cornerback discussion, Ryan. This is what this is sort of the main topic we want to discuss today. Very good stuff on the Senior Bowl, and we'll have some updates throughout the week on the board, on the show, and all those type of things uh, as we kind of get into the week. But I want to talk corners today, Ryan, because you know it, it's really funny. You, you think about past shows we did, or past articles I've written, or past season previews we've had in the past, and. You think about, well, I remember when this position was a strength and it's not now. I remember when this position was a big a big uh, concern and, and it, it, now it's not. And you look at the, the transformation we've seen at cornerback in recent seasons, and it's been, it's been really impressive, really impressive. But what we're going to discuss today, too, is as we talk about the present and why, how it got here and, and all those type of things, we're going to talk about, is this just history repeating itself? Or are we truly seeing a change? And here's what I mean by that. What, what we're going to find out over the next couple of years is if this is just another situation of like 2018, 20, where Notre Dame had a, an outstanding cornerback tandem in 2018. And my opinion of opinion of other co- of coaches that I know at the Division One level, other analysts I know, people that I know, Notre Dame's 2018 cornerback tandem was one of the five best cornerback tandems in the country. So we anticipate coming into 2023, Ryan, that Notre Dame will once again have one of the best cornerback tandems in college football, one of the five best in college football. The question is, number one, and we'll get into this, you know, obviously they've got to they got to show it. But number two, Ryan, is is this just a you just happen to hit strike gold with Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison together? Or is this the beginning of the cornerback position becoming a strength over time? Because as we saw in 2018, once Troy Pride and once Julian Love were gone, there was no, okay, next in line guy. And if you didn't go out and get Nick McLeod in the transfer portal, the year after Troy Pride left, cornerback would have been a really big problem in 2020. And I'll, I'll, I'll go so far as to say, if you don't get Nick McLeod in 2020, you're not a playoff team. Because that's how bad the cornerback position was at that time behind him. And when Tariq Bracey had his issues, you had to all of a sudden throw Clarence Lewis in there as a true freshman to take over. So now you fast forward just a, just two years, and the cornerback position quietly this year was a major strength for Notre Dame. Now, 
I think the perception of what cornerback is or was in 2022 and what I think it was is different. And I think there's because I think cornerback is a position that a lot of fans have a hard time evaluating when they've only watched TV because they only see the plays where you get beat more often than not. It's all you see on TV. So I've had a lot of people say, well, you know, Cam Hart was not good for most of the season. I'm like, mm, I don't know what you're talking about, right? But like he had a couple bad games, right? Did not play well against Ohio State. I thought, and we've talked about why. I thought he was, you know, kind of playing to his injury a little bit, got a little grabby, which Cam's not really a thing. And then and then had like two dumb plays against North Carolina. Outside of that, I thought Cam was pretty darn good this year. In the second half of the year, he was really good. And I keep saying to people, why do you think people kept throwing at Benjamin Morrison? Right? There's a reason why. And then, of course, you have the emergence of Benjamin Morrison. Tariq Bracey was great at sets. That nickel. I thought Clarence Lewis was a really solid rotation player. I thought he had a nice year as a rotation guy. You know, got burned on the one play against North Carolina. But outside of that, I thought Clarence was a solid player for Notre Dame this year. I thought cornerback was the strength of the defense this season. I thought it was the best position mark of the defense in 2022, and I think it's only going to get better in 2023. So we're going to talk about that. But, again, is it just, okay, let's enjoy this couple years because it's not going to be this way moving forward, or has Notre Dame positioned itself in all the areas needed to become that unit, Ryan? I think that's the fascinating thing that we're not going to really get an answer to this year, potentially may not get an answer to this year because of the presence of the two veterans. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I guess I'm calling Benjamin Morrison a veteran. The two returners, <laughs> starting returners is what I should say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The two potential All Americans. We'll, we'll phrase them like that. <laughs> that works. But I mean, I mean, yeah, Brian. I mean, it's, it's probably more a 2024 conversation, I guess, right? I mean, it's because it, it's like Benjamin Morrison will be back, right? But like, what's the other corner now look like? What's the depth at that point? But and I, I think you do see that from time to time. This isn't even only a Notre Dame thing. You see these one star aligned type of things, right? Like you see it with teams all the time. It's like, is that sustainable? Maybe not. But that one year 
all the stars aligned. So that's kind of what I feel. I, I, I kind of felt that way with TCU last year, to be honest. Like I felt like everything just aligned perfectly for that one year, right? And is that what's happening with two very good NFL talents at cornerback for Notre Dame last year and then working into this year? It's too, way to be seen. I, I like to think that with how Mike Mickens has developed the cornerback position and with how he's recruited now the last two years, that's something where I look at and say, it's probably not a flash in the pan. But to your point, until you see it, it's still a question mark you have yeah. to talk about. I think that's where it begins right there, right? Yeah. Where did this all come from? What happened? How did Notre Dame get here? And I think a part of it is, is some of it's a little bit of for good fortune. You know, Chip Long going out and getting a guy like Cam Hart, convincing him to be a receiver. And then obviously he quickly transitioned to the other side of the ball. That that proved beneficial for the secondary. And then Mike Mickens going out and landing Benjamin Morrison and getting Jaden Mickey and the other guys. And I think that right there is the is the big thing is Mike Mickens, it was kind of funny. You and I had these debates with people and, and on the board last year. And there was this there was this growing sentiment. Like, look, I have no issue hammering coaches, right? Like Al Al Washington's the new whipping boy for Notre Dame fans. Well, you know what? Kind of rightfully so, right? Like it's based on the job he's doing. But then there's times where that whipping boy becomes a coach, and I'm like, um, I don't I don't see that, right? And I think last year Mike Mickens was like, well, this is a big year for Mike Mickens. He's got to go prove himself. And I'm like, prove himself? Like, what what are you watching, right? Like, this guy's done a pretty darn good job the last two years when you consider what he's been working with in a lot of instances. Then you consider the the what the room looked like when he when he when he was hired. Right. right. And and then the other thing that I think hurt Mike Mickens is he was Brian Kelly's whipping boy in 2021. I don't know what it was, but every time a corner got beat, and it wasn't often because the defense was pretty good in 2021, there was you'd see Brian Kelly just in Mike Mickens' face going off on him. I, I don't understand why. No clue why. But I thought he did a pretty darn good job his first two years. And then this year, with with number one, you had guys that kind of got a, a full offseason with him. You know, Cam Hart got another full offseason with him. He, he goes out and he gets some of his recruits are now kind of populating the depth chart more. And we saw this is what, okay, this is – I don't think Mike Mickens did a better job this year than he has in like, the past couple of years. I think he had better players. I think he's always done a really good job as cornerbacks coach. I just think it became more apparent and obvious when he had better players because cornerback is a position, Ryan, where I don't care how good of a coach you are. I don't care how good of a schemer you are. Cornerback much more off defense, much more so than offense is a, at the end of the day to really be great. You've just got to have talent. I can scheme my way into success offensively. And you see it in the NFL. Now you see a lot of four, six receivers in the NFL that are really good. There's not a lot of four, six corners in the NFL that are really good, right? Because at the end of the day, a corner, you just got to have the tools. But then can you do you have a coach that can refine those tools and really turn guys into something special? And I think that's what we've seen from Mike Mickens is this guy is a flat-out outstanding football coach, and as we have seen, also a pretty darn good recruiter and yes. a guy that can go out and find those guys that maybe maybe don't get the – recruiting services all fired up because Benjamin Morrison wasn't on the seven, seven, seven on seven circuit. He wasn't going to all these camps, all this other kind of stuff. So he flies into the radar of the recruiting services, but he didn't fly into the radar of Mike Mickens. He didn't fly into the radar of Nick Saban. He didn't fly into the radar of, of Jimmy Lake and Michigan wanted him pretty bad too. Right. And they've had a pretty darn good defense in secondary last couple of years. So to go out and get him 
showed a go out to the West Coast, get Jaden Mickey. You look at what he's done in the 2023 class with Christian Gray beating Ohio State and LSU. What's the debate now about DBU? Who's in the debate now? It's Ohio State and LSU are pretty much who people debate now. Yes. Well, that's who you beat to get Christian Gray. And you had to come from behind to do it. We were talking, it was about what, March of last year? We were like, yeah, it's not going great with Christian Gray. And Mike Mickens just stayed the course. Just stayed the course. Didn't panic. Didn't start doing panic recruiting pitches. Just stayed the course. Just kept reminding Christian Gray, yeah, 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 you can do all that, do all that. But just remember, you're another name kid. And we see where he went. Go out and finding a guy like Micah Bell. So I think Mike Mickens shows that this is what you need to win at Notre Dame. This is what Marcus Freeman needs to go out and find, is guys that can do two things at a high level. One, he can coach. Two, he can recruit. And I think the third thing is, is Mike Mickens has a coaching style that instills confidence, which is huge at this position. He's not a beat-you-down kind of coach. And I, and I say one of the best jobs he's done, I would say this, the best job he did as a coach the last three years was not Benjamin Morrison, Cam Hart, Nick McLeod, it's Tariq Bracey. Tariq Bracey lost his confidence in 2020 to the point where you couldn't even put him on the field anymore. And then you fast forward two years later, and he's playing with incredible confidence and is one of the better, I'd say one of the 10 to 15 best slot defenders in the in the country this year. Would you, would you say that's accurate? Yep. And, and I think those are the kind of things that really separate the good coaches from the great ones is not only can you teach their, their technique and their talent, but can you teach this up here? Can you teach this right here? Can you get the most out of your players in that regard? I think Mike Mickens showed he can do that. And it shows that right now, Notre Dame flat out has one of the best corner coaches in the country as a coach and as a recruiter. And I think that's where there's confidence, in my opinion, Ryan, just for me, there's great confidence that this is not just going to be a, a one or two year flash in the pan and then fall back down to earth thing. I think this is as long as they can keep them, this is the beginning of Notre Dame becoming one of the best cornerback producers in college football. Well, I think we really need to appreciate the how the room has been built over the last couple of years now, because before, I mean, I mean, guys like Julian Love has turned himself into a really good NFL player, but like from a physical standpoint, for instance, he's not a great talent, right? Clarence Lewis is not a guy that I would call a great athlete. Like he's a good athlete, right? But when you're talking now about having Cam Hart, who next year this time is going to be probably at the Senior Bowl because he had a Senior Bowl invite this year. He's going to run. He's going to be 6'2", 200 pounds, running in the four fours in the forty yard dash, most likely at the combine or the pro day. Benjamin Morrison just made freshman All American. You know why? Because he is six foot with long arms and he's an athlete, a very athletic kid. You're bringing in Christian Gray, who, by the way, is six foot one at the Ohio State camp last year. Ran four four flat and four four two. Pretty good. And he ran a four four two at Notre Dame's camp as well. And then Micah Bell, who is faster than everyone on that roster. <laughs> I mean, well, that roster and just about everybody else's roster, by the he way. May, he, might, he may legitimately be the fastest player in the 2023 recruiting class for He's anybody. in the top National. five, that's for yes. sure, 100%. Yes. Yes. He's up there with the very, fat, very most fleet of foot players in the class. There's no doubt about it. So you have now turned what was an average athleticism room, a good athleticism room, into a, one that's bordering on elite. I mean, honestly, like in, in college football, if you're just talking about the body types, athleticism in that room, compared to some of the other players, uh, other teams in the country, 
Notre Dame is getting to that point. They are because they have athletic long dudes everywhere in that secondary now. Everywhere. And that is a testament to Mike Mickens, obviously. Rebuilding that room. Getting that type of talent. But also, being a cornerback coach is not an easy thing in, in, at Notre Dame or in, d- in the game today in general. Because not only are you talking about the added elements of the spread out passing game that we play today, right? You're also talking about the fact that Notre Dame runs a boundary corner. They run a field corner. And by the way, Coach Mickens, you got to go coach up the nickels too to have those guys ready to play as well. So you're working with a lot of different body types, which is one thing that, I mean, you hit on already a little bit, Brian, but like Tariq, how you're going to coach Tariq Bracey is a lot different than how you're going to coach Cam Hart, right? Like you're not going to coach those guys the same. That one is 5'10", 180 something pounds. Another guy is 6'2 with vines for arms. They're not going to be coached the same. Even Cam Hart compared it to Benjamin Morrison. I mean, Benjamin's an inch and a half, two inches shorter than Cam, right? A little bit different of an athlete. Christian Gray is a lot different of an athlete than what Micah Bell is coming into the 2023 class. So he understands what he needs for a player to be successful from a work ethic perspective. He gets that, right? He gets the type of players that he wants. But I think we need to understand that what you put in the boundary is most likely going to be different than what you put in the fields. And what you put at nickel is definitely going to be different than what you put at the other two. So you have to juggle all those different personalities, all those different body types, all those different play styles, physical attributes. And on top of that, continuing to build this room and to get the Carson Hobbses of the world in 2024 already to continue to recruit some really talented players to go with the Carson Hobbs in 2024. So I think that Coach Mickens has gotten all of my trust at this point. Like yes. if if he tells me this guy in 2024 is a dude, and yeah. if he doesn't have a low, high rank, I'm going to say I believe you. I believe perfect you. Perfect example is Carson Hobbs. Yes, Carson Hobbs is a perfect example. Uh, full disclosure, I just don't love his film. I love his attitude. I love his length. I think he's got a great personality. So, you know, but I just I look at the film and I just don't see I don't see what I saw in Benjamin Morrison. Right, like I didn't have to take his his word for Benjamin Morrison. I saw it. It was, it was clear as day. Uh, Christian Gray was another guy that early on, I liked him, but I didn't love him. But I just kept being told, like, look, trust me, this guy's going to take off. And then you see him as a senior, you're like, yep, okay, I get it. Top 100 guy. You know, so, so you, you look at these things, Ryan, and you're like, you start to kind of say, okay, look, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt more than I maybe would as an, a coach at another position who doesn't have that same track record, 100%. I mean, 100% correct. Now, it doesn't mean we won't express that, hey, I don't see it. I don't see what you see, or I don't see what he he sees, in my opinion. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt from the standpoint of, I'm just, okay, let's see how it goes out. Because he has a track record of going out and putting those kind of guys together, in my opinion. And can I say that just for on the 2024 side of things, real quick, Bri, too? I would say this. For some other positions, there's been some players get offered so far in 2024 recently where I'm just kind of like, I don't know about that offer, right? Like, I'm not sure. Like, I watched the film. just like, I don't know if that's a guy that I would be targeting right now. Mike Mickens really hasn't added anybody to the board that I'm just like, I don't get that one. Like, the Leonard Moores of the world, I'm just like, yep, I get that one. The Jeremiah Newcombs of the world, like, I get that. That makes total sense. So I think even the players that he's bringing to continue to add to the board and to expand the board, it, it's checking out, right? Like there's no like head scratchers to me as far as what he's evaluating as well as identifying, I should say. So I think this, the fact that the foundation of Mike Mickens is there, I think is a positive. And we'll talk a little more about Leonard Moore. We have some questions about him in the, for the mailbag that we'll get to as well. 
So, of course, with a lot of this stuff, Ryan, when we talk about the, the, the present and the future of the position, as you guys will notice, the reason we talk about the coaching first is because I think that's at the foundation of it. I think if, if you feel like you have a person that can coach and recruit at a high level, get the most out of the players, and, and also isn't someone who's dependent upon finding the five stars, right? Because those guys are harder to get at Notre Dame. They are. No, no one's ever denied that. But there's two ways to get elite players. It's one is get the guys that obviously everyone knows is elite, or B, go find the guy that maybe others don't see, but you see as being that kind of guy. And that's what a guy like Benjamin Morrison is. I'm going to tell you all right now, Notre Dame did not get lucky there. This guy that broke out and, you know, no one saw that coming. They did. I'm just telling you from the conversations I had with people at Notre Dame, they saw. Now, do I think that they thought he was going to be a freshman All-American? I don't think you ever predict that. But the Notre Dame staff from day one looked at Benjamin Morrison as he's a he's a he's special. And and they knew that because they don't look at recruiting rankings. They look at the fact that, oh, crap, we've got to beat Nick Saban for this kid. We've got to beat Jimmy Lake for this kid. Notre Dame was like, oh, for a decade on beating Jimmy Lake for DBs, right? Oh, actually, no, they got one. Uh, Mickens beat him the year before for Chance Tucker. So who we'll talk about here in a little bit as well. So, I mean, Mike Mickens is the first defensive coach, not Mike Elko, who I thought was a great recruiter because he got beat by, by Jimmy Lake for Kyler Gordon, who he wanted bad. And and turned out that he <laughs> there's a good reason for that, right? So I think I think they th- they're very high on him, and and that's why you kind of say it's it's if he was like yeah he's a nice player he's a solid player and, and then the guy becomes a star you're like yeah you didn't really think he was like this it's like the Tom Brady conversation we had the other day right like if 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 Andy Reid thought Pat Mahomes was going to be this he wouldn't have waited till ten to to trade up for him, right? I mean, he would have probably gone up a little bit higher. You know, Bill Belichick doesn't wait till round six to drop Tom Brady if he thinks that Tom Brady's going to end up being anything close to what he was. The the conversations with Notre Dame coaches, you knew that they saw, thought they had something special in Benjamin Morrison, which yeah. is why they invested so much in getting him. So you, there's a level of confidence that, that as long as you can keep him, you you feel like the position is good hands. And, and University of Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick, donors, boosters, Y'all need to do everything you can to make sure Mike Mickens never leaves Notre Dame unless he's going to be a head Keep coach him happy. somewhere. Keep right? him happy. Do whatever you got to do. <laughs> Overpay him what you think corner coaches should be made. I do not care. This guy's a unicorn at a place like Notre Dame. He's a Midwestern guy that knows how to sell what Notre Dame is all about, and he knows how to evaluate players as well as any cornerbacks coach in the country. And, it again – it's it it's not just Benjamin Morrison. It's Sauce Gardner. It's Kobe Bryant. It's Nick Johnson at Bowling Green, who is another freshman standout for Mike Mickens. He's got a track record of this. And if it was just Sauce Gardner, you could say, did he really think Sauce was going to be good? <laughs> but it's not just Sauce. It's just the long track record of it at multiple stops now. That makes you say, yeah, the proof is in the pudding and and this guy's getting it done. So that's the great foundation. But I don't care how great of a corners coach you are, Ryan. If you don't have dudes, you're not going to have an elite secondary. And that kind of gets us into the next portion of this show. Notre Dame enters the season in my, the 23 season, in my opinion, Ryan, and we're going to dive specifically about this, about why we think this, with the best one-two punch it arguably the best one-two punch at cornerback in college football next year. 
I firmly believe that this duo is going to be in the conversation for the best one-two punch in college football. And I went back and watched the Clemson game the other day just because I wanted to see, you know, I was just kind of, I want to watch that again. And I just, and I was focused on the corners. And the reality is, is that Clemson took their shots. And, you know, people talk about the two picks Benjamin Morrison had, but they went at him the entire first half. And he was running routes for the receivers. I think almost every time they threw a ball in his direction, maybe once, he was not in the best position to make the catch on that football. So it wasn't two fluky plays, Ryan. Cam Hart just dominated the screen game against Clemson. I mean, dominated the screen game. You look at what he did to Zay Flowers before he got knocked out of that game. You have two outstanding football players. Consistency is going to be a key for both of them, right? Because I still think Cam is still a young corner, but that needs to go away next year. Benjamin had his moments as a freshman, right? You know, first half against Syracuse. They, they went after him, and, and he got beat, bounced back, and had a really good second half. But he had his moments this year. But you've got a, you've got a duo that has an opportunity to be, to be an elite group. And, and not an elite group because they're smart and because they're heady, you know, like a Julian Love. They're elite because they're those things, but they're also elite athletes. I think that's what separates. Troy Pride was an elite athlete. Julian Love was not. Julian Love was an elite football player. He's not an elite athlete. These guys have chances to be elite football Mm -hmm. players in in large part because they're elite athletes. Benjamin Morrison's an elite athlete. Cam Hart, pound for pound, 6'2 plus, 200 pounds plus, going to run probably a low 4'4 at the pro day when his time comes. Ryan, you're talking about big-time athletes as well, and I think that's the separator for me that I say gives them a chance to really be good because you have big-time talent not just intelligence and all that, which I think Benjamin Morrison certainly has and Cam Hart's learning, but these guys are, these guys are special talents, Ryan. Well, and I think that, I mean, the first thing that happens and usually in a football game, Brian is like, is that you size up your opponents, right? You size them up. And and at, at the end of the day, there was a lot of teams last year that looked at Cam Hart and were like, why would I throw at that kid? Like, am I stupid? Why am I throwing over there? It doesn't make any sense. I'm not throwing at the 6'2 guy that is 32-plus-inch arms. It's dumb, right? But now you're looking at the other side of the field, and I feel like in Notre Dame's past, even if you had one guy like that, you might not have another, right? But in this instance, I know that Benjamin was a little light as a freshman, which most freshmen are, right? What, 179 pounds, give or take a couple pounds there, right? I mean, he'll be probably in the mid-180s this year, maybe high-180s. But now you look over at him and you're like, well, I can't throw at that kid either. He just had six interceptions last year. Am I stupid? Am I dumb? Like, I, I, I'm i going to college. I can't be this stupid where I think that I could throw at either one of these guys. And It's it's choices that you make when you size players up. And But the, the, the end-all, be-all to it, and you mentioned Syracuse. That's a great example, right? Syracuse, they said, I'm going to go after that freshman. I'm going to go after him. Had a couple of struggles early. He came back, and then I remember the second half. Do you remember the one ball they threw at, at Cam Horton that game? It was almost intercepted. It was almost pick sixth, man. It's yes. just like yes. at the end of the day, you have to make a choice, right? And I don't think there's any good choice right now with the Notre Dame corners. It's like, yeah, you're going to win some. You're going to lose some, sure. But at the end of the day, you have two guys that look like they should be playing NFL football starting a corner for you. So at that, and that, I think that's the best thing for a defense, honestly, is – Good players eliminate possibilities offensively for teams. And you look at Benjamin Morrison, you look at Cam Hart, and you start thinking in your minds, 
there needs to be another player I need to go after, right? Like I need to isolate a linebacker. I need to take advantage of this nickel corner. I need to force the safety down in man coverage. So you're eliminating possibilities. And the fact of the matter is, is that eventually you're going to have to test one of those dudes and you feel confident right now. I know I feel confident right now. I would assume that the coaching staff would feel very confident right now that whether you want to try a healthy Cam Hart or a Benjamin Morrison next year, it's not a great situation for you. Are you going to make a play occasionally? Sure. Are you going to make it consistently? I don't think so. It's the, the odds are not stacked in your favor. So no, there is. It is such a, it's such a big weapon for a defense to have two corners like that. It that is like one of the hidden secrets, man. If you have two corners on the outside that can both play man to man and can both shut down the best receiver on the field or eliminate an area of the field. That gives defenses so many possibilities, man. If you want to pl- if you want to blitz a lot, you can. If you want to mass coverages a little bit more, you can. If you want to take some chances, you can. That's what those types of corners do for you. And I think that, that those are the type of situations that they could provide in 2023 as long as they're both healthy and they're all both locked into doing what they do. I think the health part is the big one for me because yes. that's the concern with Cam Hart is he just he has had some nagging things going on. I think that's going to be an issue for him I think next spring or I mean next season uh, or ne- like this time next season where he's getting ready for the draft is he's going to have some medical things he's going to have to clear, right? And and people are going to have some questions about that. So that's certainly a part of it. But but Ryan when I, when I look at this when I look at this group, I look at this duo, I think that the thing for me is you're also doing it in a way that we didn't see from the last group. I thought Troy pride was a pretty good man defender, a pretty good man defender, but Troy wasn't necessarily great at playing the ball. And when I, when I look at him, like he was great in coverage, but he wasn't great, like making plays on the football. Benjamin Morrison's every bit as good as Troy pride in coverage, if not better. And he can make plays in the football. There's just a more yes. natural football player. But you, you're the other corner at, in that 2018 group. You couldn't really play a lot of man with Julian Love. You could play like some off man stuff, and when you you know you'd roll and he could play the post a little bit. But you weren't going to come up and ask him to to just dominate at the point of attack and and get in press and do all that the way that you are with Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. And I think to me that's something that separates the two because in in today's game, if if you have the ability in today's college football to come up and play press man into the boundary with consistency and conviction and effectiveness, you have a chance to be a very good defense. And I think that that the thing that I saw this year was you were able to kind of get away with some things a little bit schematically that only worked because of how good your corners were. And if you weren't as good a corner, then – things became problematic. And I think a great example of that is the USC game because you, they could just avoid Benjamin Morrison the whole game. I mean, they just avoided him the whole game. And I think they threw at him like what once where it wasn't like in front of him, like on a, on like a little hitch route or something like that. I think they threw at him once down the field and it, it went incomplete. Uh, so, you know, actually, yeah, once they threw at him once and they went over one USC had completely avoided him in that game. And, uh, you know, I think that's a great asset to have, Ryan. I think it's a tremendous asset to have as a football team. Now, if they can take it up to another level, 
then you start getting some really, really, really interesting, interesting options when it comes to the, the what you can do defensively, in my opinion. Well, I mean, because the the one spot that corners are going to be forced into one-on-ones a lot is outside the numbers, right? Working down the field. When you feel comfortable with where you are at cornerback, like if there's an – honestly, there might be a game this year where the opponent's like, I'm not testing either one of these corners. Like it's just not a good idea in, in for my team, right? So what's that mean? I have to attack the middle of the field. And what happens in the middle of the field, Brian? There's a lot more defenders in the middle of the field, right? So that's usually where – mistakes happen like that's usually where turnovers happen is because you're throwing into zone coverage to the middle of the field you're throwing late whatever it is and you have more hats you have more opportunities to make a big play so I think if you completely eliminate the outside the numbers to the sideline on both sides I mean then you're talking about a lot of potential mistakes that could be made to the middle of the field and from there it's just about everybody else doing their part, right? The nickel position doing their part, the linebackers doing their part, the pass rush getting home, the safeties doing their part when they're forced into man situations. Like it's it is such a benefit to have is that man coverage on the outside because you force everything to getting so much more condensed, right? Cuz then you're working outside in instead of inside out where now you can cycle everything inside and things get tighter. And when things get tighter, they typically make mistakes. Teams typically make mistakes. And on both sides of the football, if there's one spot that you usually feel good about Notre Dame winning or losing a football game, it's usually in the middle of the field, right? It's usually in the trenches. That's usually the the strength of the team for Notre Dame. So if you're if you're outside of strength where now you can funnel everything inside, that's typically going to work to your advantage for the most part. Now, here's what I need to see from that duo in order to be what we think they can be. With Cam Hart, it's going to be well. Benjamin Morrison, just get stronger and keep doing what you're doing. I mean, that, that's really it. It's just get stronger and keep doing what you're doing. With Cam Hart, the thing for me that's going to allow him to take that next step is he's going to get challenged a lot more this year, a lot more this year. And little little kind of nugget that we have dropped here before for those who haven't heard it before is we've were told by somebody on very good authority that the presence of Benjamin Morrison is a big reason Cam came back. Because he didn't want to go through another year where everybody avoided him. It's like, well, how am I going to get better? And and if I, if that's what's going on, the fact that he kind of is going in this year with saying teams can't avoid me this year. Well, okay, that's cool. Now, now go show us why that's a problem. You know, go show us why you, your team shouldn't have, shouldn't be doing that. And I think to me, that's something that that I I really need to see from Cam because if you look at like last year, he gave up 240 yards passing last year, Ryan. Cam Hart did, and and I'll give some context to that here in, in a little bit. Uh, if you if you look if you look at those yards though, and and you look at what I said before early in the year when he was struggling with a little bit of an injury, he gave up 138 receiving yards in the first four games. That means in the last eight, he gave up 102 in that stretch, and about a third of that came on a busted play against Navy, a triple option team. Right. And so when you when you look at it, you're like, uh, this guy was this guy was pretty good. But I need to see Cam make more plays in the football. That's my yes. one knock on Cam is he's got to learn to play the football better. And he's pretty good in coverage. But when he gets beat this year, if you think about the two biggest plays he gave up this year, 
Uh, and I'm not counting the the blown coverage, and I don't know what anybody was doing against North Carolina on that last play. I think of the touchdown that he got, got big up against Ohio State and the, the uh, long pass he gave up on the first play of the game against North Carolina. The pass against Ohio State, he took a bad angle of the football because he didn't play the ball very well. And and you let that ball you, you don't the angle, everything, he just didn't play it well. And then the play against North Carolina, he was in good coverage. He just didn't play the ball very well. That's gonna be the thing that tells me whether or not Notre Dame has two All Americans next year or an All American in Benjamin Morrison and another guy that's pretty good. Right? Is is gonna be does Cam become more of a difference maker at the ball? At the that's gonna be the thing for me for Cam Hart. If he can do that, then he's going to have a chance to, it's going to be sort of a anything you can do, I can do better kind of battle between those two kids, which is a fun thing. That's meant to be like, oh, okay, Benjamin down there locking that dude down. Okay, I got something for you. You know what I mean? Like, watch what I do when they throw the ball at me. And uh, that's something that kind of, I, I, I just need to see that from, Benj- from, from Cam. That's going to be the final piece for him, Ryan. Because tackling-wise, he was really good really good coming up against the run of the perimeter screen game this year. Really good. And there's no statistic to show that, right? As far as, you know, but he was very good. If he can start making more plays in the football, Cam Hart's going to have a special final season at Notre Dame. That also assumes he stays healthy. Well, that was my biggest surprise when I first saw Cam at corner was that Cam is a very willing participant in the run game, man. I was surprised and he blows up screens. He really does those things well. And that's something that you, don't usually expect from a wide receiver to cornerback trans, you know, you know, transition, but Cam does it and Cam does it really well. It, it, what's interesting, Brian, is that I do think that Cam has pretty good ball skills when he's coming forward, right? Like you think about two years ago against Wisconsin, where he basically ran two different routes for interceptions. Think about the Syracuse game this year where he had the pass breakup. Like I think when he clearly sees it, he does take pretty good angles and he's able to make those big plays. He's like he's got a little bit of the Troy Pride thing for different reasons, right? Down the field, I think he struggles to kind of locate a little bit, which is. Let me interrupt yeah. you, Ryan, because you yeah. just told me he has he's part Julian Love and part Troy Pride. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. right? Because <laughs> yeah. he where was Julian really good? When you can keep things in front of him, Julian was really good. Cover too heavy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But neither, but but, and I actually thought Julian played the ball well down the field. He just yeah. couldn't often stay up from a speed standpoint against some of those guys, but he was pretty good in that regard. Troy, however, was great in coverage, but if you were willing to throw at him, he was going to have a hard, harder time playing the ball, even when he had great coverage and he often did have great coverage. So you're, you're kind of telling me a little bit of that, the, the good of Julian love and not, and, and the, he's got some of the good of Julian love and he's got some of the good of Troy pride, but he also has a bit of the, the, uh, one of the weaknesses that, that that Troy had in college as well. And, and, but I do think that Cam Hart can get there and he can improve in that because of something that Troy didn't really have, right? Troy was, you know, right around six foot, like a hair under six foot. And he, you know, decent length, not great length, right? Cam Hart has great length. He's tall and he's a former wide receiver, right? So he has some sort of ball skills. When you put all those things together, you should be good at the catch point, right? You should be good working down the field and being able to locate the football. So you have to think just based upon his background and the physical skills that he has, that he would be better at that in that regard. And that, that's what gives me hope. It really does that Cam Hart's going to put it together and he's going to be better in that area this year 
because he does have that size. He does have that length and he does have that wide receiver background where you say when you mold all those things together, he should be a pretty dang good catch point receiver, uh, catch point corner, excuse me. So I think that he has all the attributes to do it. But at the end of the day, to your points, until we see it, you you need to see it, right? You, you have to prove it. Proof is in the pudding. And I, so I think that Cam can do it. It's just he hasn't done it consistently, consistently up until this point. But I think the traits are there. While a Troy Pride, for instance, he was never going to get taller, right? He was never going to get longer. He was what he was as an athlete. He was a really fast kid. Maybe he wasn't the longest dude in the world, and he struggled to, to locate the football down the fields. I think Cam has the attributes necessary to be better in that regard. So I have high hopes for Cam Hart. I think just last part of this, Ryan, before we move on to some very other important aspects of this, I just want to give some people some comparisons between uh, the corners in this group and the the ones before. And again, keep in mind, they played in different defenses. Uh, The defenses that they had in 2018 under Clark Lee, and it was very much a, a bend but don't break type of defense. Right. Keep things in front of you. Don't get beat deep. You know, so we'll give up some some completions and things like that. This defense is very much uh, come up and press, take away the quick game, make them beat you deep. And so when you look at the numbers, it, it really it really backs that up. Both t- both cornerback tandems and this is according to pro football focus. Both cornerback tandems gave up five point six yards per attempt, which is really good. Really good. If your cornerback tandem can give up five point six yards per attempt. But here's the difference. This group did that on 95 attempts. The other group did that on 155 because they were just willing to give up a lot more of those little quicks. Uh, and then they had more help down the field. And, and here's the other part of it is this group can, can uh, opponents only average, only completed 46.3% of their passes against the, the Morrison Hart combo where the love pride combo, Ryan, they completed 55.5% of their throws. So, I think you want to keep that completion percentage down and start making plays in the football. Cause here was a difference too. The tandem of pride and love had 25 passes defense that year where the, uh, this group only had 10. Now, when you have a nine point lower yards per attempt and you've got 15 fewer passes, uh, pass uh, passes defensed, cause that's breakups and interceptions combined. That means you're just flat out forcing a lot of bad balls. <laughs> I mean, that's what that means because you're great in coverage. And and so I think that that is, that is something that is a really impressive statistic for me. But I want to see that plays on the ball go up a little bit. Because what will happen is, Ryan, that's where some turnovers happen. You know, yes. Cam gets his paw up there and bats a pass down, and all of a sudden it's into the waiting arms of Xavier Watts, who's coming out over the, t- the top to help in coverage things like that. So I, I think that's something that I want to see a little bit more uh, from this group is just a little bit more production on the ball from both of them, but especially from, from Cam Hart this season. I think that's the final, that's the final key for me. Yep. Cause we've really only seen it, you know, in, I mean, in one major football game right over the last two years for Cam, it's the Wisconsin game where he had those two interceptions or whatever it was. Right. And you've seen pa- some pass break us, but you just haven't seen a ton of, a ton of production in that department, a, a ton of disruption, I should say. Like you just either can gets thrown at or he doesn't. Like it's just it's it's nowhere in between, right? Like the people who tried to avoid him, and I think that your note on you know a source close to that situation is that 
Cam wants to be more disruptive, yes. right? He wants more opportunities. Yes. He wants yes. the football to be near him. And at the end of the day, self-team scouting, right, that are going against him, opponent scouting, they're going to say, well, that number 20 had six interceptions last year. Probably shouldn't throw over there, right? Number five might be more experienced, but, like, he didn't have an interception last year. That's who we need to try to take advantage of. And I think that's what you're going to see. And I think Cam Hart's going to have opportunities. Can he finish those plays? That remains to be seen. But I think he has the talent to do it, and he's certainly going to have the opportunities to do it this season. A big key for this season is going to be who else steps up a corner. That's going to be a huge part of this. We wrote, we wrote, an, I wrote an article about this last week, Ryan, and I know we've we've talked about this a little bit on, on the show in the past. Is Notre Dame needs someone else at corner to step up this reason for this season? Really, two guys, in my opinion, to step up at corner this offseason. And ideally, neither one of those guys' names is Clarence Lewis. Let me explain. Jaden Mickey needs a big offseason. The staff loves him. They love the work he puts in in practice. He does some good things in games, but he's that guy that gives up those big plays because of you know technique, over-aggressiveness, something we warned about before the season. There's a lot of harnessing that needs to be done with Jaden Mickey. I thought he bounced back from a, a, giving up some big plays against USC with a pretty good bowl game. I thought he played very well in the bowl game. Uh, he did some good things against USC. It's just there were some of those obvious plays that, that, he, gave, that he gave up. So, Ryan, I, I think he needs to step up this offseason. And then another cornerback not named Clarence Lewis also needs to step up this offseason. I, I think that's a big, big key. That could be one of the biggest keys on this defense this year, Ryan, is can another cornerback step up instead of him? Because it, I've said this before. We're not going to talk too much about it right now because this is a cornerback show. But if one of the other cornerbacks can step up and and push – and we'll talk about one specifically, then that allows you to take from your great depth, your on-paper depth, because Notre Dame's got great paper depth at corner, great paper depth at corner. You've got the two starters, right? You've got Jaden Mickey. You've got Clarence Lewis. You've got Chance Tucker. You've got Ryan Barnes. You've got the two incoming freshmen. Great on-paper depth. But behind the first two, who are guys that have shown themselves to be, you got to find a way to get that guy some reps. Because right. two things ha- there's a few things that happen here. Number one, if you have great depth beyond just the on paper depth, meaning guys step up and they're ready to help you, you don't have to play Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart 100% of the snaps. That could be especially impactful for Cam Hart, who's at times had some issues staying healthy. If you can get a third guy that can step up and rotate at both spots, that's fine. But ideally, you've got a boundary guy and a field guy that step up and give breathers to these guys. You also have better protection in case something happens and a guy gets hurt. To where if you get in a playoff game against, I don't know, let's say Clemson, and your All-American cornerback goes down like like Julian Love did in 2018, you don't have to throw in an injured Dante Vaughn in a corner because you don't have anybody else. Sure. Right? Where you can say, hey, look, we've got – if he goes down, cool, we're, we're, we're okay. I mean, it's a loss because that guy's a star, but we're okay. we got Jaden Mickey. We've got Christian Gray. We've got Chance Tucker. We've got Micah Bell. We've got whoever, Ryan Barnes, whoever. We've got a guy that we can throw in there and say, we're, we're good. We're going to be all right, though. We don't have to change what we're doing. That's pra- that's a practical reason from it. But then the other part is, can you use this depth to then maybe help another position? 
I think that's where I'm looking at is if you can have somebody not named Clarence Lewis step up a corner this offseason, now all of a sudden you move, you, you, it gives you the freedom. And I know that this is at least being somewhat considered at Notre Dame is it's kind of like fingers crossed that somebody steps up because I know people in Notre Dame that think if they, if they had the ability to move Cam Clarence Lewis and the reason you can't do it now is because you can't, move a guy that you know is a very good, valuable depth piece there, and you don't know who the replacement for him would be. But if someone emerges to where you can then have the freedom to move Clarence Lewis to safety, Ryan, I don't know if you agree with this. I, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show or not. I think Clarence Lewis has an NFL future as a safety. I look at what Julian Love does, and I'm like, is there really a big difference in athleticism between Clarence Lewis and Julian Love? No. And I've said this before. If Clarence Lewis was playing cornerback for Clark Lee, he'd be a much better perceived player in my opinion because he's not an a come up and press corner he's an off ball corner he's a play the post play cover two corner that was recruited to play that defense right because he was recruited to play for Clark Lee not Mike not um, uh, Marcus Freeman and not Al Golden's more man-oriented defenses and so we saw that with Julian Love. You get to the NFL where they play a lot more man, a lot more coverage on the outside, and he can't do it. But then he moves to safety. And did he make a Pro Bowl this year? Or was he at least close to making a Pro was, Bowl this year? Cl- I think he right? led the Giants in tackles this year. He had like 100-something tackles, right. a couple interceptions. He was a good player this year. All of a sudden, he's a darn good football player for the Giants. I have a buddy who's a big Giants fan kept telling me about that. Yeah. And so to me, I see a lot of Clarence Lewis there because I think Clarence Lewis is actually a pretty good athlete. He's just not fast, and he's not super fluid, meaning flip your hips and run. That's when Clarence gets in trouble. The minute Clarence Lewis has to flip his hips is when he gets in trouble. He's a lot like you mentioned Cam Hart. When Clarence can keep things in front of him, he's a pretty darn good football player. What position in this defense does that sound a lot like? Safety, right? And so to me, Ryan, if you can have those other guys emerge and then you move Clarence – now you're using your depth at corner to now benefit you somewhere else. It also benefits Clarence because I'm telling you, if you if Clarence moved to safety before spring starts or midway through spring, I'll be shocked if he's not starting next year. And him and Xavier Watts are battling for who's your best safety. Now all of a sudden you have Ramon Henderson, who's more of a rotation guy, that you can put him in and play to what he does well. And then DJ Brown's more of a rotation guy. Now all of a sudden your your safety position becomes a strength. Because here's why it's important, Ryan. You look at the numbers last year of the corners, and we talked about how good they were and how productive they were and how their yards per attempt allowed was the same exact yards per attempt allowed by that dynamic group that they had in 2018. Here's the problem. That dynamic group in 2018 that allowed 5.6 yards per attempt, that was also the yards per attempt allowed by the entire defense. This group allows 5.6 yards per attempt but the yards per attempt allowed by the entire defense was 6.5 because your safeties and your linebackers were getting beat a lot more, especially the safeties. All of a sudden, if Clarence Lewis is playing safety, I promise you the pass game production against the safety position goes down. If Xavier Watts and Clarence Lewis or Clarence Lewis, you're starting safeties, but you can't do that. And then weaken this position. You can't weaken this strength. You can say, Hey, look, we know we've got a strength here and we'll figure something out over here. But if one of those guys steps up, I think it's impressive. So I think, number one, Jaden Mickey's got to step up. Jaden Mickey needs to have a big freshman to sophomore jump because he has to be, that to me, that third guy. 
he has a ch- and I think that I think the the addition of Thomas Harper is going to be really good for Jaden Mickey because now Jaden doesn't have to cross doesn't have to move to slot. He can stay outside and work on becoming that third guy that allows Notre Dame to do a lot of different things. A cornerback allows them to have a better rotation, allows them to kind of maybe match at times if teams want to go really fast and tempo. You can put a third corner on the field and do some things with it where it's not a true nickel. So I think Jaden Mickey, first and foremost, needs a strong offseason to kind of back up what we thought he, you know, the potential that he brings to the table. That's that's key number one, Ryan. Yeah. And I think the the great note, too, on Clarence Lewis is also you have three talented safeties coming in to his early enrollees in the 2023 class as well, Don Schuler, Ben Minich, but it also that might save them from being forced into duty a little earlier than you would want, right? Like those are probably guys that you want to ease in a little bit, let them develop, develop in a strength program, all that good stuff. I'll tell you what too, Brian, there might be some interesting things that could happen with Jade Mickey on the field too, where if you had him and the two outside corners on the field at once, you might be able to mix and match matchups inside at times too. It's like, Oh, a quicker slot. Jade Mickey's got him. Oh, there's a bigger, you know, there's a tight end or a big slot inside. Maybe Cam Hart follows him inside instead of, uh, you know, just kind of matching with a, a smaller Jaden Mickey. So it, this is a game, whether it's college football or the NFL now, where teams are going to try to press and create one-on-one matchups. And they're going to try to take advantage of the space game. Two corners isn't going to do it, man. I mean, you see teams in the NFL now where they're drafting third, number three corners in the late first, early second round because they understand – how important that is because you're going to get times where you're going to get three corners on the field at once, where you're going to have to rotate heavily. And we already talked about Cam Hart too, right? Where he's had some injury stuff. He's had some durability stuff. So you need to have a guy ready to go just in the worst case scenario as well. Right? So whether that is Jaden Mickey, or whether that becomes chance Tucker or Ryan Barnes or one of the freshmen, Christian gray, whoever i agree with you with the sense that Notre Dame needs a couple guys that need to step up behind these dudes because whether it's an injury, inconsistent play, or the ability to create matchups for your defense, there's going to be opportunities where you – there's going to be times where you need a third corner, where you need a fourth corner that can play. And you can't have the drop-off being from, hey, man, we have a freshman All-American on one side from last year. We have a really talented corner that's probably going to play in the NFL on the other side. But then after that, if one guy goes down for a couple plays or isn't playing their best football, we don't have a guy behind him that can give us reps or give him give production. And I think that that's the biggest thing for me is that it's a matchup dictated game today. And the ability to dictate it defensively with as many great cover cover men as possible, I think is a massive advantage that we don't talk enough about just in, in, just in theory because – the ability to play man-to-man on the back end gives your defense so many more possibilities. There's so much more that you can do and have the ability to do, and it all starts with having multiple cover guys that can do their job because there's going to be a lot of man principles in this defense, to your point, and there's going to be times where you're going to need that third corner to be on the field. That isn't a true nickel. That has to be able to match up with some of those wide receivers, whether he's pressed outside or maybe taken inside in certain situations. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's just say that you feel good enough at corner that, look, Benjamin's a star, but we need to give him a breather at times, and we need to get, let's just say, Jaden Mickey's the number two behind him, just for argument's sake. Um, or Cam Hart. Let's use Cam Hart because Jaden was probably more of a field guy this year. Let's say you're you, – you, look, Cam Hart, he's had some injuries. He's long. You know, this – we, we want to just give him 12 snaps a game, just 12 snaps a game where we're going to take him off the field. Right. That's it. That's a pretty low number for a rotation guy. All of a sudden, you look at the end of the year, the regular season, you've now taken 144 snaps off of his legs and shoulders. Right. Same thing in the boundary. Now, all of a sudden, in, in November, your team is fresh. Now, all of a sudden, you go into the postseason and your team is fresh. Let's be real about something. The TCU that Georgia got is not the TCU that got to the championship game. They had no gas in the tank, none. Right. Because they didn't have the depth that you need to really be able to go out and 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 do that. Because they number one, they played in so many close games, but also number two, because you just, I mean, you, you just you didn't have anybody else. You had to play those guys. You know, you you look at their starting cornerback this year, Ryan. In fifteen games, he played over a thousand snaps. Played over a thousand snaps. It's a lot of football, even for a skill player. That's a ton of football. And yeah. on the other ahead. side, too, in that TCU Georgia conversation, Georgia has a great rotation where they're able to get so many different guys because they have that depth, right? They've created that depth and that keeps them fresh. It's not that Jordan Davis can't play more than 40 snaps a game, it's that he didn't have to play right. 40 snaps a game. It's a huge difference, right? And so that's that's the thing is if you can have that, all of a sudden that has a big impact on, on what you're doing. And, you know, you look at Georgia, for example. Georgia and TCU played the name, same number of games this year. TCU had – I'm pull it up here real quick. TCU had five guys that played 900 or more snaps and six guys that played 800 and more snaps. Uh, excuse me, five guys that played 900 or more snaps. Georgia had zero. They had – let's look at it. They had eight guys on that defense that played 600 or more snaps. Georgia had seven but only four of those guys played 800 or more. Three of those guys were in the 600s. And, you know, part of that is because you're blowing more teams out, but the other part of it is because you can play more guys, which means yeah. you can keep guys more fresh. I think there's a part of it, but he it can't just be. Let's say Jane Tom, Jade Mickey does break out. It, it's not enough. You need at least one more guy, at least one more guy that says, you've got to play me. You've got to play me. I'm too good not to play. I'm ready. I got to play. And a guy that I'm keeping my eye on this spring to potentially be that guy is Chance Tucker. I think Chance Tucker, and I've heard a lot of good things about Chance Tucker from people at Notre Dame. And the problem is, 
he just is back. He just happened to be playing a position that got manned by one of the 10 best cornerbacks in college football last year as a true freshman. And, and so I've heard a lot of good things. His attitude during that whole thing was great from what I'm told. He understood. Because I've said this before. Guys don't mind being a backup when they can look out on the field and be like, that guy is really good. Uh, you know, hey, I get it, right? That That's a dude. But you want to have a role still. And so for me, Clarence, or excuse me, Chance stepping up this offseason and kind of forcing himself into the rotation where you can feel comfortable putting him out there for 10 or 15 snaps a game, no matter who you're playing, to give Benjamin a breather really is that move that could solidify this. Because right now, Clarence Lewis is your backup to Benjamin Morrison. If Benjamin goes down, Clarence Lewis is that guy. You can't afford to move Clarence Lewis to safety, lose all those corner reps, and then all of a sudden Benjamin Morrison gets hurt in the opener against Navy. And then then what do you do? Well, well, having our guy that was the next best guy at that position is now playing safety. You're going to have to move him back. So you need – this is why I say – this is why you can't just move Clarence Lewis without having somebody else step up. You, you just can't. I, I understand that on paper it makes sense. Oh, just move Clarence Lewis. It's all good. Somebody will step up. That, that may work in like – you know, like your fantasy league, but in reality, you need someone to say, this is why we're okay moving Clarence. Because Clarence is incredibly valuable to this to the cornerback depth chart right now. If Chance Tucker steps up, Ryan, and he's long, he's got great feet, he's a fluid athlete. I'm told that he's a lot faster than maybe people think. He can run pretty well. If he can have a big offseason now that he heads into his third year on the program, he could be the guy more than anybody else that says, okay, we can move Clarence. Chance had a great spring. We feel good that if something happens to Benjamin, Chance can step in and be that guy. I think he could be, if he can be that, Ryan, and he was a guy that I didn't have ranked super high coming out because I just, it didn't play a senior COVID and there's just some, you know, I couldn't really see his speed, but here's what he had. Really good length, great ball skills and really nimble feet. Now, I've been told by people that would know that he's a lot faster than I had given him credit for in my evaluations, but even when I had him ranked low, Ryan, I said this multiple times before you joined us. I said, I just have a feeling that when it's all said and done, Chance Tucker is going to make me look really stupid for my evaluation of him because of how low I had him. I hope that this is the offseason that that happens. I hope this is the offseason that Chance makes me look stupid because he has the skills to me to be that really good number two boundary corner that can give you some reps, some good reps, and step in and hold his own if your star goes down. So if he steps up, now all of a sudden, if you're Mike Mickens and you're Chris O'Leary and you're Al Golden and Marcus Freeman, y'all are having a real serious conversation about is it time to move Clarence Lewis to, to safety? Because if you make that move for Clarence now, you got two years to get out of him at safety, which would be big in my opinion, because he'll have the, even though he played as a freshman in 2020, he got a red shirt that year because of COVID. So Clarence Lewis still has two years of football left. He's not going to start a corner, but for one barring injury, this gives him a chance to go compete for two years as a starter at a position that I think his game is better suited for the next level and this level and that safety. So I think he's not going to get talked about a ton, but this is why I've written a story about this. And this is why I'm saying it now. Chance Tucker could hold the key to the secondary really being the best it can be this year. Not Benjamin, not Cam. It's Chance Tucker. 
I think he could be that important to this defense this year, Ryan. What say you? Well, I mean, we saw I saw him in person, obviously, during spring ball ends during um during fall camp. And the things that pop out to me about Chance Tucker, which gives you optimism, is that he is long. Like you could see it. Like he's just got that length where you just kind of he just puts his arms on the side and you're like, Yeah, that guy has length, right? Like you don't need to even measure an arm to know that he is a really long dude. And then when he was trans when guys were trying to take him vertical, they were trying to work him outside. You can see how fluid his hips were, you know, like he's able to turn and run really well. You know, he's able to get in and out, in and out of his turn and to really just be a smooth player overall, which is something that you already talked about a little bit. Right. So he has the makings of it. I mean, Brian, ultimately he is a big wild card because like you said, he has talents and there's people that are high at him in the, on the pro in the program, just haven't seen him. Right. Like you just haven't seen him. He's so, Jaden. He's our Jaden Thomas, right? right? Like, yeah, okay, he's got the talent, but we we got to see him do it, right? I mean, that exactly. was the thing. That was our knock last year on Jaden Thomas. Yeah, you guys tell me all these things about what he does in practice and all that. I need to see it. Right now's chance. Tucker's chance to see it. Opportunity to see it. He Show could it. also he also could provide a little because I know you mentioned the boundary stuff because he's got the length and he's got the ability to turn and run, but also I mean he seemed like a pretty fluid athlete to me. So I'm even like in the boat where I'm like. Could he also give you some spot at, at fields at times mm-hmm. too, right? Like he could probably do a little bit of mix and match at both spots and do a little bit of cross training potentially. So, I mean, that give, that obviously strengthens your cornerback room first and foremost, right? The more valuable cover men you have, the better off you are. But again, I mean, your your point is, is very valid that you can't move Clarence until you have the ability to move Clarence, right? Like you can't do it just to sacrifice right. known depth at a certain position. You have to do it because there is other depth. Like you can't make that move out of desperation. You have to make that move because you can afford to make that move. Like at the end of the day. So I'm interested to see him because Clarence is also, I mean, Ch- Chance Tucker, excuse me, is also in a very interesting spot too, Brian, because we, we talked about Jaden Mickey already, right? You also talked the simple fact that like, hey man, there's this other really talented 2023 kid that's coming on campus this, fall, this spring as well named Christian Gray, right? So you need to supplant yourself and to get your spot, right? Like you need to make that mark on the program this spring and into the fall because although Chance is only going to be what going into his third year this year, mm-hmm. with how Mickens is recruiting the quarterback position, you can get buried in a heartbeat. Yes. Like that is what could potentially happen. So not only best for the team, for the depth, but also for Chance. Like if Chance – and this is no pun intended. If he has a chance to to make a a real impact on this team, it's got to be this year, or else you know Christian Gray's coming in, Micah Bell's coming in, Carson Hobbs, and whoever else in twenty twenty four is coming in. Right. Like there's competition that's going to keep coming. Not even talking about Jaden Mickey, obviously a year younger than him. So you're have the opportunity to get kind of lost in the depth chart if you don't rise to the occasion now. Yeah, right. I'm curious if he's going to do it. Another guy that I have my eye on is Ryan Barnes. A guy that you know I'm very high on. He just he's hasn't been able to stay healthy. There's been some other things that have kind of gone on. He's gotten buried a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't anticipate Cam Hart playing in the spring. Uh it will at very least he'll be limited because of the shoulder surgery. I'd be shocked if they put him in any tackling situations. I'd just be a little surprised by that. He'll probably do drills and things like that because it's a shoulder. As long as that all part is fine, you know, you can put him through drills, have him go through that stuff. I just don't think he's going to be doing like team and a lot of one-on-ones and seven-on-seven and stuff like that where maybe that shoulder can get banged. 
So to me, when I look at it, Ryan, that's a great opportunity, not for, for Jaden Mickey to get a ton of reps with the ones, but it's also a chance maybe for Ryan Barnes and Chance Tucker to slide in and get some reps there too. One of those guys is going to have to be a potential field guy because, you know, obviously Cam's your number one going into fall camp, but if he's not playing in a lot of team stuff, then you know, number two gets up to number one and then number three goes up to number two, right? That's just the way that it works. So can one of those guys step up and say, hey, that's my, me too. So you could your point about chance, maybe that's chance to the field. Maybe that's Ryan into the boundary, which allows chance to go to the field. So I think he's another guy who I think has got a lot of talent, a lot of length, a pretty physical kid, has good speed, just hasn't been able to put it all together for whatever reason. It's also a big opportunity for Ryan Barnes, and he's in the same boat that you talked about, Ryan, which is if you don't do it now, your window's gone. Because right. Clarence, hey, Christian Gray is not going to give you much time to <laughs> to prove yourself. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be here. He's already here. He's in, he's on, he's going through winter workouts. He's already on the roster. So, you know, you guys had last spring to kind of do that because Benjamin Morrison was still sitting at home. Sure, right. You're not going to get that chance with Christian Gray. Christian Gray's here now, and he's going to push now. So the depth of corner this spring is going to be really really good. But not having Cam Hart's going to give a guy like Ryan Barnes a lot of opportunity. And it could also potentially open up for Christian Gray. We'll get to that one in a second. But uh, I think Ryan Barnes is another guy that's sort of in that now or never moment for him. And I hope he steps up because the more these guys step up, Ryan, it not only helps the cornerback rotation, but now all of a sudden you're you're looking out at, at uh, on the, on special teams and seeing those guys. You know, instead of Lorenzo Styles having to run down the field and cover kickoffs, I've got Chance Tucker, Ryan Barnes, or Christian Gray, or those guys doing it. Sure. And, or I mean, punts, excuse me. So now or never time for Ryan Barnes, man. It, it really is. It's it, it, same with Chance Tucker. This is their chance to say, hey, uh, I can play. I can play here. I can play at this level, and I can find a home on this defense in some fashion. Well, I mean, Brian, I just said that Chance Tucker's long. What does that make Ryan Barnes? Like, oh, man. It is like <laughs> he's only got on the roster that can kind of hang with Cam Hart when it comes to length. You yeah, know? man. He is a – I mean, I, I remember him also in during the spring practice last year where there was one play where I think he had a pass breakup, and you're just like, that dude is stupid long, man. Like, that mm-hmm. is wild, the reach that he has. And honestly, going into the spring last year, I thought that may have been the starting corner opposite Cam Hart last year. Like, I, I really thought that that could have happened. And obviously, he did not take that jump. He did not rise to that occasion, however you want to kind of portray that, right? But – the talent didn't leave, right? There was a reason that we thought he could contend for a starting job last year, and it was because the kid's long, the kid's athletic. There's a lot of talent to work with Ryan Barnes. Like you said, same thing with Chance. This is a big offseason for him. This is a massive opportunity for him because there's no there's no question that he can play at this level, right, from a talent perspective. If Ryan Barnes never plays significant snaps for Notre Dame's, it wasn't a talent issue. It was a issue of you didn't take the next step, but also again, timing. 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 And Mike Mickens continuing to bolster this room where there's just a lot of talented dudes, man. Like it's just at the end of the day, it's it's not. It honestly isn't. I don't even think it's a bad look on any of these kids to say no. like, "Wow, you couldn't win a starting job." Well, look at the guys that are around me, man. Like, yeah, this right? Is it, it's not. You couldn't beat that guy out. It's like, no, I get it. Yeah, you couldn't beat that guy out. I understand. <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> you know, beat I mean, that guy out. It's understandable. Right, right, about about right. 90% of college football couldn't beat that guy out too, probably. If, right? if like Chance it's... Tucker and Ryan Barnes were juniors going into 2020, they're starters. Yes. They're starters in Notre Dame. 
one of them is a starter in 2019 opposite. I mean, they had to start, start Sean Crawford at corner in 2019. Who, by that Sean point in time, just, just couldn't play that position anymore. He needed to you know, be playing nickel and, and safety, things like that. Because, because of all the injuries, if Sean Crawford didn't have all three of those, I've said this before, Ryan, if he only had two of the three devastating injuries that he had, he's really a football player. Yeah, he's still know, he has a lot like of Clark Phillips fights. Oh, yeah. yeah. He he was still exactly he was still a four-four with an Achilles and two torn ACLs. That like was one was, of the most that was one of the most surprising pro day measurements I remember because I was like, he did that after all the injuries. Exactly. He had? <laughs> Imagine what he could have been had he and, and it happened right away. He tore his ACL his first fall camp. The point is by then he just shouldn't have been a starting cornerback for a team trying to be in a playoff team. It just he yes there were better places for him, uh, which is one of the sadder situations. And you know what? I, I love how he kind of, that kid, 90-some percent of people would have quit after the second devastating injury that he had. I, I probably would have. Yeah. I probably you, would have. Did, did yeah. you remember when his elbow got dislocated in 2019? And I'm thinking, well, his yes. career's over. <laughs> he was like back like a week later. I'm That's like, this kid's unreal. This kid is unreal. But the point is, he's not having to start a corner if you've got third-year Chance Tucker, third-year Ryan Barnes in 2019. So exactly. that's the timing part I was referring to is you just happen to be at Notre Dame at a time where that position is absolutely freaking stacked, you know, and and but this is the chance for them to really make their mark, and if they do, it solidifies this depth chart a ton. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the future. This is the interesting part for me because you look at what they've been able to do – with the next level thing. And this is where you get excited. You say, man, when Benjamin Morrison leaves, they're going to be in trouble because they haven't been able to follow that up with another great class. We're now in a conversation of, I'm curious to see which recruiting class is going to be better. The 2022 group or the 2023 group or corner. That's a legitimate question. Now the 2022 group has a heads up right now because in my forget taking away Benjamin's freshman season. He was my number one cornerback of the two. He, he had the highest grade. Everybody knows I was super high on Benjamin Morrison coming out of high school. And he was even better than I thought. Then you throw in the fact that he has already stepped up and been a freshman All-American and played great football. Clearly, last year's group has the heads up. But if I'm ranking my top four of those four guys, it's Benjamin Morrison, Christian Gray, Micah Bell, then Jaden Mickey. So what combination of the two is going to be better? And that's a fun debate, Ryan. But the fun thing is, they play in the same team. Yes. <laughs> they play in the same secondary. So you don't have to do an either or. It's both and, right? It's not like who's got the better cornerback tandem, Notre Dame with Benjamin Morrison, Jaden Mickey, or Michigan with Christian Gray and Micah Bell. No, it's they all play for Notre Dame. And and that's where you need to be. That's what that's when your recruiting is getting to that, that next level, is when you're stacking classes on top of each other like that. And then, of course, in 2024 – that puts them in position to take a flyer on a Carson Hobbs. Because with Carson Hobbs, I guarantee you, I promise you, that Notre Dame is banking on the upside. They know his seal. They know he needs work right now, but they're banking on he's got tools, right? And they see tools, they see tools that I don't necessarily see right now. But again, if it comes down to who do you trust at cornerback evaluation, Mike Mickens or Brian Driscoll, myself, Ryan, and everyone in this chat's <laughs> answer should be. Mike Mickens, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Even my dad would be like, no, B, I'm going to probably go with Mike Mickens on this one, right? Like, uh, I think he's you. proven. I don't know what you're talking about. I think you. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. 
stop sucking up on the show. <laughs> Actually, I love it. Um, but but in all seriousness, he's earned that benefit of the doubt with a guy like Carson Hobbs. Yep. So hey, let's let it play out. And then you look at some of the other guys on the board. They're still trying to recruit. The, the, they're recruiting Leonard Moore, who I like a ton. We'll get to that one here during the mailbag. You look at at uh, Caleb Beasley. They're still fighting yes. for Caleb Beasley. They're still fighting for Aaron Scott. You know, and and you know, hey, he committed to Tennessee. Mickens is like, I don't care. You know, we're going <laughs> right. to still recruit him. Uh, Chad Bones like, I don't care. We're still going to go after him. So the future certainly looks bright. And and if you're able to, if you're able to get into situation, Ryan, where your production on the field can be what we hope it is, and their cornerback tandem is one of the nation's best, it starts making Mike Mickens' job easier and easier yes. and easier when it comes to recruiting the cornerback position. Now, he's never going to be someone that just looks at rankings and says, oh, give me the five-star. He doesn't care about that. He wants the guy that he thinks can be a five-star in college. That's why he went after Benjamin Morrison. Because I'll tell you a little dirty secret, Ryan. Notre Dame liked Kamari Rogers a lot. He was a top, highly-ranked kid, tore his knee up as a senior, but before the knee injury, ended up going to Miami. He was he was very high on my board as juniors. Now, Benjamin Morrison passed him as a senior, but as juniors, I had Kamari Rogers actually slightly ahead of Benjamin Morrison. That's how it tells you how much I like Kamari Rogers. Notre Dame did not like Kamari Rogers better than Benjamin Morrison. They they had him either here. Some people like Benjamin Morrison a little bit more. Uh, they wanted them both, but that's how high Notre Dame staff was on Benjamin Morrison. They didn't care about rankings. They just they saw a guy that could play. So it may not manifest itself in five stars because I don't think Mike Mickens cares about that. Give me a Benjamin Morrison over a five star any day of the week because guess what? Benjamin Morrison is a five star, and that's the way they look at it. So you, the future looks as bright at cornerback Ryan as it does anywhere else because you're recruiting well. You've got guys coming down the pipeline, Christian Gray, Mike Bell, you know Carson Hobbs, potentially adding a Leonard Moore. You know, hopefully they can flip a Caleb Beasley type type of guy, and then it just starts building and building and building. So as long as they can pony up and do whatever it takes to keep Mike Mickens, Mike Mickens here as long as possible, the future cornerback for Notre Dame, Ryan, Ryan looks incredibly bright beyond Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. And I mean, you're not you're not just bringing in a bunch of guys that are good football players, but aren't incredibly talented dudes either, right? Like you're getting good football players who are also very physically talented. I mean, Notre Dame has a chance, and I don't think this is hyperbolic at all, to be a little bit of an NFL pipeline over the next few years. I I truly do believe that because you look at what Cam Hart could be to the NFL next year during the cycle, what Benjamin Morrison will undoubtedly be in the next two to three years, depending on what he decides to come out for the draft, depending on what a Christian Gray is going to be, the Micah Bells, the Carson Hobbses, you know, hopefully a Leonard Moore, hopefully a Caleb Easley. Like when you have those types of players, it's very easy to project them to not only being really good college players, but also, they have some NFL traits, right? Like that, they look like NFL players on the hoof. And when you have that, I think you have an opportunity to really start to create a pipeline on your team that hasn't really been there in some time. Like I know people always talk about, you know, going back to the Todd Light era and into the 90s of like the great cornerbacks that Notre Dame would put out, you know? And I know that they put out a, a string there of like some really impressive corners. Well, those times have not been for some time at this Since point, then. Right? Since, Since then. then. Yeah, And you need to get back there because that's one of the spots that when you look at 2020 against Alabama, for instance, right? Where where was where did Alabama have the biggest differ, differ, difference oh. in terms of talent? 
It was on, on the, the perimeter. perimeter. Yeah. It was on the perimeter. Their corners and your nickels could not match up against Devonta Smith. And that's not a big knock because not many teams could. But the fact of the matter but is, it was a mismatch. It was too wide. It yeah, was a the mismatch. margin was way yes. too wide for, yes. a, especially for a playoff game. Like that should not have been that wide of a margin, right? And that's where you need to get back to. You know, Notre Dame is going to recruit well at offensive line and develop that position. You know, for the most part, and although it needs to get better moving forward, but historically, Notre Dame does a pretty dang good job at defensive line. Usually, right? Linebackers are usually a strength. I know they really weren't last year, but they usually are. Wide receiver consistently and cornerback are two spots that need to get better. And cornerback is getting better in a leaps and bounds. Last year was really good. 2023 could be better. And then for the foreseeable future, you're just kind of sitting here and saying, as long as Mike Mickens is a part of this program and as long as you keep recruiting and developing the way you are, there is no reason that Notre Dame can't be one of the best cornerback developers over the next few years in college football. That's how much yeah. talent you're bringing in, and that's how you are developing your talent right now. I mean, Ryan, you go back and look at the stretch they had back in the 90s, what you're, we were talking about, right? And, and it started with Todd Light. Uh, it was in 1991. Todd Light got drafted number five overall in 1991. And then the next year, 1992, you had Rod Smith, who wasn't even a full-time starter going round two. Then in 1993 draft, Tom Carter goes in the first round. Then you go into the 1994 draft, right? And they had basically like three corners drafted that year. You know, you had Jeff Burris going round one, who's a safety and partly moved to safety because he played corner early in his career. You had Willie Clark was a third round pick. John Covington was a fifth round pick who barely even started. And then the next year, Bobby Taylor goes out. And he's a second round pick. Now he ended up being a safety in the NFL, but he played safety and corner at Notre Dame. Since then, they've had three or four third round picks. You had like Alan Rossum was a third round pick. Uh, uh, Brock Williams is a third round pick. I, I think um, Kavari Russell was a third round pick. And that's it. Julian Love was a fourth round pick. Troy Pride is a fourth round pick. You know, so so Notre Dame has not been that team that could produce big time corners. If they get to that, you know, because here's the thing: Mickens is always going to be able to claim Sauce Gardner, always. Now, all of a sudden, you start throwing some Notre Dame guys into that conversation that are first and second round picks. Then all of a sudden, we said recruiting starts getting a lot easier for Notre Dame, uh, and then it also gets a lot easier for his eventual replacement because Mike Mickens is probably not going to be here forever. As much as I would like for that to happen, he's too good of a coach. Someone's going to scoop him up as a head coach or. D coordinator someday. I just want to say keep him as long as you can. But if he's able to stat, if you can keep him here long enough to establish that tradition a little bit, then it makes it much easier for you to number one attract the big time DB coach who's on Mike Mickens' level, and then gives him a chance to kind of go out and prove himself at that next at, as well. And and it makes his put it to you this way: if Mike Mickens is here for at least four years, more years, at least four more years, it's going to be a lot easier the guy that replaces him is going to find recruiting a whole lot easier than what Mike Mickens had to step into. Right. Because of how, because of that. So that, that, that's where I see it, Ryan. And it's an opportunity, you know, we'll see Cam Hart. The big thing for me with Cam Hart is if you could remove the injuries, I think Cam Hart could be a guy that could sneak into the first round next year. I just, I, my limited draft knowledge, I just, I see tall, I see experience, I see fast, I see fluid. He's got all the tools. If he can improve his ball skills, next year that's the key uh, then I think he's got that kind of talent I think the injuries may knock him down to hopefully day two if all that checks out and and uh if there's no huge huge permanent red flags there Benjamin Morrison has day one ability in my opinion one of Sean Davis's kind of bold predictions from a recruiting standpoint is that he thinks 
Cam, uh, uh, Ben Morrison and Christian Gray are going to go be first round draft picks in back to back years. You know, Christian's got to prove that. That's you know, it's a long way. I don't, I don't like doing a ton of projecting first round draft picks into a high school kid. But again, six foot plus, long arms, fast, and what he showed as a senior is his instincts and feel for the game is really high. Yeah. And then of course you've got a guy like Michael Bell who's always going to be knocked for his height because he's what five nine and a half, five ten. Yeah. Uh, but he is an absolute flipping burner. So the future is looking very bright at cornerback for Notre Dame. There's no doubt about it. And it's not just because you have a great coach that's taking these okay kids and turning them into really good players. You have a great coach with big time talent, and that's going to be a great combination at cornerback moving forward. No doubt. No doubt. When you have when you have all those things aligned, that's how pipelines are created, right? You mm-hmm. can't create sustainability with one of those two, right? You can have some good teams. You can have some good positions if you have great coaching. But in order to create longevity and to create a pipeline, you need both sides of it, man. And again, Brian, like I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that this is going to be one of the more talented quarterback rooms that Notre Dame has had in a very long time. I mean, I don't think that's hyperbolic at all because you have several guys that when NFL scouts go into the building, they're going to look at that group and be like, there's a few dudes there, man. There's not like one. Like there's there's some future guys most likely there, right? You're going to walk yeah. by not just Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. You're going to walk by Christian Gray. Then right. you're going to see Micah Bell run on the field and be like, oh, <laughs> okay, sure. So, uh, yeah, I think that you have sustainability potentially because you're you're identifying and acquiring really good talent on top of really good coaching. So when you have that, you have the opportunity to create something great. We're going to move on next, Ryan, to our mailbag. But before we do, I want to ask you all, hit that like button, folks. Please hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. Sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. If you're not on there, you're missing a lot of great conversation that we're having uh, right now. So definitely want to check that out. And if you're listening via podcast platform, please give us a five-star review and sign up for CFB Nation. John Garcia and I were talking yesterday. We are going to... Uh, start doing a couple live shows on the CFB Nation app. Uh, we're going to break down our top recruiting classes in the 2023 cycle. going to break those down probably 1 to 15. And then he and I are also going to come up with our first ever CF, and Ryan will be part of this as well. Uh, we're going to come up with our first CFB Nation top 150 recruiting rankings for the 2023 class. So we're going to have that over the next couple of weeks as well. And then once we get that rolling, we will break that down and probably do that over a live show as well. Just kind of going through our list, talking about the, our favorite guys, where we had guys, you know, where we had difference of opinion. And what we'll do is we'll kind of all come up with our rankings and then just sort of aggregate it out that way. And then sit down and have a conversation and see if anybody wants to pound on the table uh, for their guys. So we'll, we'll get to that, by the way. Ryan, I'm watching uh, the Senior Bowl. So far, Isaiah Foskey's killing it right now, by the way. He just put Ryan Hayes on his butt. He literally came off the line, hit him, and just drove him on his butt. That and reminds I just me. That reminds me. I'm sorry to cut you off, no, but I do. I, I do have the access to the old 22 film. I have the password and everything. So just hit me up after the show so we can watch it more. There we go. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah. saying that to me, everybody. Not 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 not, not everybody else. No, no. He no. just blew Stay up a tight end. Yeah, he just blew up a tight end and hit the hit the hit Illinois running back in the backfield, knocked the fumble, knocked the ball out of his hands. So nice. yeah, Isaiah is having a day so far. Uh, but uh, so we'll we'll have more on that. We'll talk about that on the boards. We'll talk about that in future shows, and then obviously we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more as we get in the mailbag. So uh, definitely make sure you stay locked in the Irish Breakdown podcast. <laughs>